Hi everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Global Britain podcast with me, Ryan Baldry, Communications Manager at the Coalition for Global Prosperity. On today's episode, I have the great pleasure of welcoming Stephen Twigg, former Labour Member of Parliament between 1997 and 2005, and again from 2010 to 2019, now currently Chair of the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association. So, without further delay, let's get started. I'm now delighted to be joined by Stephen Twigg. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. So to start us off, for those listening that may not know necessarily what it is the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association does, what is it and what is your role with them? Thanks very much. So the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association is a very old uh, organisation. We were established uh, 111 uh, years ago and we exist to support and represent all of the parliaments of the Commonwealth, both national and subnational. So in the UK context, not only the Westminster Parliament, but the Scottish Parliament, the Welsh Senate, the Northern Irish Assembly and similar across the Commonwealth. So we have 180 parliamentary branches across the Commonwealth, and our role is to support them in their activities and to represent the concerns of parliamentarians within the Commonwealth. Amazing. I never, even I never realised it was that old. That's incredible. Um, so this week, obviously, been an incredibly busy week. It's been, we had Commonwealth Day um, only a day ago. Um, why is, why do you think, why to you is this uh, day so important and as you know, the UK now outside of the European Union for you know creating our own identity, of, as you say. What, what, why do you think the Commonwealth is so important as we move forward, and how do you think we can make a better use of this incredible group of nations? Thank you. I'm conscious I didn't answer the second half of your first question. So my role is to head up the Secretariat, which is based in London. There are 20 of us uh, based in the headquarters, and and I'm the Secretary General and got a great team of people working on our programmes, our governance, communications and other uh, activities. You know, I think the Commonwealth is incredibly uh, important. It came out of uh, the colonial history uh, of uh, the UK, but it's a very, very different organisation today uh, to, to what it was when the Commonwealth was first established. And we at the CPA are a very different organisation to the Empire Parliamentary Association, which is what uh, the organisation was first called. Our membership is very much based on equality uh, between our members, whether it's the large members like India, Pakistan, um, Nigeria and the UK, or very small island developing states and subnational branches. And I think in a world in which we are on the one hand increasingly interconnected, but on the other hand, in which we see a resurgence of uh, nationalism, uh, questioning of multilateralism, the Commonwealth has a very important role to play. It's informal, it works very much on networks, people learning from one another. So you both have the formal structures, the heads of government, and so forth, the Secretariat based in London, but a myriad of networks that work on issues like global health, global education, human rights, women's representation, disability. I think that is a really great strength of the Commonwealth. And I think in the context of Brexit and the UK, there is real potential for the Commonwealth to be seen by the UK as a very important part 
of its international policy. We also have the element of diaspora communities. You know, I've come back from a visit to Pakistan uh, last week, and you know, in Pakistan, they are very conscious of the role of the diaspora communities of Pakistan uh, in the United Kingdom, and that's similar for other, for India, Bangladesh, for communities right the way across the Commonwealth, the Caribbean, and elsewhere. So part of it is also ensuring that those voices are heard by parliamentarians in the UK, as well as us giving a voice to parliamentarians across the Commonwealth. You kind of you sort of hinted at it there in your, your question. The Commonwealth is obviously made up of this group of nations, and no two of the member states are the same. You know, like you say, you've got some of the biggest nations to the smallest, some of the richest to the poorest. How, you know, what kind of challenges do you see for the Commonwealth nations, and how do you think the UK can help there with our resources, our soft power, and you know, how do how can we help be a real force for good in the Commonwealth and on the wider global stage? So I, I took over in this role in the summer of 2020. So when COVID um, was in very much its you know its its first year, mm-hmm. and Parliament's along with the peoples of the Commonwealth, have, have, have suffered the impact of COVID, those who've lost their lives, those living with COVID, but also the wider impact on society, on uh, health, on education, uh, and so forth. So I would say the big set of issues have to be seen partly through the lens of COVID and its impact. The Sustainable Development Goals, I've long argued, are incredibly important for the world. And, and I do think that the Commonwealth has a role to play in taking them forward, whether it's in terms of poverty, uh, inequality, climate change, access to health, access to education, but also for us, particularly Global Goal 16, SDG 16, which is about peaceful, inclusive societies and giving support through the Commonwealth to uh, the people of Commonwealth countries, but from the point of view of the CPA, the parliaments of Commonwealth countries to be effective in standing up for the rule of law, the separation of powers between governments, parliaments and judiciaries and human rights Those things have always mattered and they are part of the reason that uh, the Commonwealth exists today, but they've been brought, I think, into even greater focus because the Sustainable Development Goals give that emphasis in SDG 16 to the importance of peaceful, inclusive societies. And do you think the UK should be more forward with using our resources such and expertise such as in our overseas development in supporting our Commonwealth partners in this, because we see other countries such as China, who are very unashamedly going into some Commonwealth nations and other nations around, um, particularly the continent of Africa with the Belt and Roads Initiative. And they're very you know, forward about what their investment is doing. Do you think that the UK should start really focusing on you know, building up our Commonwealth partners in the face of that kind of um, challenge. So, as, as 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 you all know, and listeners may well be aware, the UK has been consulting on its international development strategy, mm-hmm. and in the response that the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association made to that consultation, we emphasised uh, precisely the point you're making: uh, the importance of the Commonwealth dimension within the international development strategy. And on the one hand, we welcomed the indications in the integrated review of a greater focus on the Asia and 
Indo-Pacific regions, many of which are Commonwealth countries, though of course not all. But we also emphasise the vital importance of maintaining a focus on Africa as a whole. And the uh, Integrated Review had a big emphasis on East Africa and on Nigeria. And we wanted to make the point that there are big development needs in other parts of Africa, including other parts of West Africa and Southern Africa. And in, in that context, you know, I think that to answer your question directly, the UK's international development strategy, uh, I would hope, would be rooted in the sustainable development goals and the UK legislation on international development. And that will include important partnerships with countries outside the Commonwealth. But I think there is huge potential to do very effective work with countries within the Commonwealth. I mentioned that I was in Pakistan. Pakistan uh, was certainly until relatively recently and maybe still um, the biggest bilateral recipient of UK aid. I don't know if it is with the changes in recent years, but it certainly was when I was chairing the International Development Committee. But it's also a country that has, has developed. Uh, and for countries like um, Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, it's a different kind of relationship uh, that the UK will have when it's looking at development to the relationship that maybe has been uh, existing in the past. But I would hope that the UK's approach would be guided both by the commitments in the Commonwealth Charter, but also I come back to this, the commitments in the Sustainable Development Goals, because in the end, we do need, the world does need to address those fundamental challenges around extreme poverty, around inequality, the impact of climate change that was set out in the SDGs. And the urgency of that, I think, has been increased by the COVID uh, experience, which has both highlighted existing patterns of division and inequality and exacerbated many of those existing patterns. So I hope the UK won't lose sight of that as it develops it pr its priorities for international development over the months and years ahead. And I guess from, you know, we're seeing a, sort of a, a quite a significant challenge to our democratic values and you know the goals you've mentioned going right on, going on right now in Ukraine. The Commonwealth, qu quite a few nations there are quite new democracies. I think it's fair to say, and there's quite they're quite fragile at the moment. What do you think we can do as a Commonwealth, but more specifically as the UK as part of that, using our partners, our influence to help shore up these new democracies to help help them flourish into you know, and help us last as long as our parliaments have, as the Parliamentary Association has, to sort of like provide that bedrock for them so that they don't have to worry about succumbing to more hostile influences? That, that, that's a great question. And it very much speaks to the core mission, really, of the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association. So we have developed over the years a what we describe as a set of benchmarks for democratic legislatures and we use them to support our member parliaments to to be effective that includes to be independent of government to have the resourcing and the capacity to be effective legislators but also in terms of passing budgets overseeing and scrutinizing their governments and clearly there are many tests of how open a society is but one is that there can be a democratic transition of power via an election uh, i was pleased earlier today to meet a delegation uh, led by the speaker of zambia which has had uh, last year a democratic election that resulted in such a transition and it's incredibly important that we uphold and champion that but of course 
healthy, open societies is not just about independent parliaments and elections. It's also about freedom of the media. It's about the importance of civil society being able to be uh, active and engaged and free. And so one of the things that we do as the CPA is to work with organizations like the Commonwealth Lawyers Association, the Judges and Magistrates Association, the Commonwealth Human Rights Initiative to promote the broad principles of freedom of the media, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, um, the ability of civil society to operate effectively, because that is just as important as the work that we do in strengthening the parliaments and legislatures of the Commonwealth. And we know know, in recent years we've seen uh, a rise of a kind of authoritarianism uh, in many parts of the world. We see the tragic events that have unfolded with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. There are many lessons that will be drawn by Commonwealth member countries from this experience. But for us, what is crucially important is the principle that people can decide their own futures through democratic elections and the ability to change their government if that's the popular will. Thank you. And I guess one of the other big challenges facing a number of Commonwealth nations is going to be climate change. And we saw some quite good progress, I think, at COP26 that the UK led and I think the Commonwealth was quite um, involved with. How do you think the Commonwealth can keep up that kind of momentum? Because it's a lot of these developing Commonwealth and coastal nations that are on the front line of this, especially, you know, women and girls around Africa, you know, what kind of things can be done to make sure that this doesn't fall off the spotlight and it's not just a, well, we held COP, now we move on to the next thing kind of situation? And I think I think it is critically important that climate change remains an overriding priority in partnership with sustainable development. And certainly for us in the Parliamentary Association, it will be so. And I know that the Commonwealth Secretariat places great emphasis on this as well. And you hinted actually in your question at the point I was going to make in answer to this, which is within the CPA, a lot of the leadership on this has come from the small island developing states, as you might imagine. They are in the front line of the battle against climate change, as of course are some other much bigger Commonwealth countries, notably places like Bangladesh and Pakistan. And we learn from those uh, countries. And I think that what an organization like the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association can do is bring people together and address some of those linkages. So this week um, we have the Commission on the Status of Women. We organised a a side event there looking at women and climate change, addressing some of the specific ways in which climate change affects women and girls and the broader challenges around development and equality. So we do absolutely have to retain this focus on climate change. And whilst there will be many other issues that we will be looking at, we mustn't uh, forget Uh, climate change. And indeed, there are linkages across all of the things that we do. So I mentioned the linkages with gender and with women's uh, rights that have been reflected in the event that we've done this week. Education, which I think is a a crucial area uh, for the sustainable development goals. Clearly, education about sustainable development, education about climate change will be vitally important in supporting the efforts of all countries to tackle this issue and try to fulfil the commitments that were made at COP26. Thank you. And 
I guess what my next question is, you know, you as a former member of parliament yourself, you would have seen, you know, firsthand some of the projects that UK aid goes towards and UK development expertise is led on. How important do you think it is for other policymakers looking at development, looking at the sustainable development goals, the Commonwealth, to how important is do you think it is for them to actually see what the UK does on the world stage firsthand? Because you know, one of the things I've found just working at CGP is that it's always quite easy to find negative stories around development or what we've done on the world stage, but we're almost quite shy about saying where the successes lie. And I was just wondering kind of what you think and from your experiences of being in Parliament, how do you think we can better show that message of what the UK has done on the world stage? And that, that's, there's so many, there's countless projects that go on that won't receive any attention, but they change thousands and even millions of lives. I think it is incredibly important to highlight the impact that UK aid and other international development investment has and nothing beats seeing it for yourself and you know in the, in the four and a half years when I chaired the International Development Committee the opportunity to get out and see programs in countries meet people hear their feedback is was just was just extraordinary you know I, an example I often give but I'll give it again was I remember going to Kenya when we were looking at education and we visited a program run uh, by the UK Girls Education Challenge that was supporting uh, girls with disabilities, disabled girls uh, in their uh, education. It was run by Leonard Cheshire. It was so powerful. And yes, you can read an account of that and you can be presented with the data about its impact. And it's really important to, to have a rigorous approach to accountability, but seeing that impact for yourself, so strong, so strong. And, you know, whether it's supported by the UK or other countries, you know, I when I was in Pakistan we visited a school um, that was being run for Afghan uh, children, refugee children, many of whom were from families that have been in Pakistan for a long uh, time, seeing the impact of that. Similarly in health, I remember going with Results UK to visit Liberia to look at their post-Ebola uh, health strengthening. Again, seeing that for yourself can make a huge difference. And I think for organisations like CGP and Results and Comic Relief and many others that take people out to visit, uh, these bond that take people out to visit these programmes, so so important and yes it's right it's absolutely right that the spending is held to account um, and actually the existence of a standalone international development committee that has a subcommittee looking at uh, the work of the independent commission on um, aid impact ICAI that um, apparatus is vital because it is important that there isn't waste it is important that there is value for money this is taxpayers money and we want it spent wisely and as effectively as possible so I think those systems of parliamentary accountability that the UK have developed are really really important systems for uh, over overseeing the money that is spent. But the main lesson I took from four and a half years chairing the International Development Committee was that there are some brilliant programmes that the UK is involved with either bilaterally or multilaterally in health, in education, in women's empowerment, in disability, that I think we can as a country, you know, people in the UK can be really proud of, of the work that's being done and the impact that's happening having on, on people's lives. Stephen, just to end the final question of the day, two people from history, present or history or the present that you could take to dinner, who would they be and why? 
Nelson Mandela and Victoria Wood. So Nelson Mandela, iconic, doesn't need much explanation. And certainly for me, uh, particularly when I was first getting interested in politics as a teenager, the campaign against apartheid and for his release from prison was seminal. I had the honour to hear him speak once at a conference. He was very inspiring, but also very funny. And Victoria Wood is just my all-time favourite comedian. So I think the thought of meeting either of them, let alone both of them, and I think they would be great together as well and to hear them speak to each other. That would be an amazing dinner. Uh, that was that was a great choice, actually. I love that. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to pick your brain all things Commonwealth. Um, and, yeah, I really appreciate it. I know this week, of all weeks, is going to be a busy one for you. And uh, just thank you for your time and insight today. Ryan, thank you very much indeed. Right, that's all we have time for on today's episode. Thank you so much to Stephen Twigg for his time and his fascinating insight into the role of the Commonwealth and what the UK can do within that to help on the world stage. I look forward to speaking with you all next time.